Hello? Hey, everyone. This is Craig Valentine from TurbulenceTraining.com, and I'm here with my friend Vince Del Monte from MaximizeYourMuscle.com. And, Vince, welcome to the call. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. I just uh, I just need to mute out everybody else. One sec. All right. Sorry about that, Vince. Now, uh, Vince is a good friend of mine, and two funny stories from Vegas. And I know you're not supposed to tell stories from Vegas, but these are pretty clean. Um, Saturday night, Vince and I were like contestants in an episode of The Amazing Race. Do you remember that on Saturday night, Vince, when we were running through the hotel? Oh, yeah. <laughs> when we were trying to uh, find a spot in line with 10,000 other people for a haze. <laughs> yeah, but we were trying to find the, the line. First of all, it was funny. We were running through looking like a couple of idiots running through the casino of area hotel, which was funny. And then the second story that was funny was you explaining your near-death experience with the prosciutto that got stuck in your throat in Italy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that that was a true story, man. I uh, I was thinking to myself, man, I can't believe it. This is the way I'm about to go. I'm choking <laughs> on a piece of prosciutto. And you forgot to mention that I was choking on a piece of prosciutto in a hostel in Rome in Italy while my buddy, who I was traveling with, was in the shower and he was having a conversation with me, not knowing that on the other side of the shower, I had this long piece of uh, prosciutto. Anybody who's eating that knows what I'm talking about, and you need to slice that fat off. And uh, I was bent over, and I started to go some sort of different color. I know I was must have been changing colors, but I thought that was it. I'm like, this is this is unbelievable. I was thinking, I'm done, off a piece of prosciutto. That's funny stuff. All right, well, if people don't know you, and that was their first introduction to you, they're probably going to think you're as crazy as I am, but why don't you tell us your story about how you went from Skinny Vinny to, to Vince Del Monte, who's a, who's a great guy and, uh, you know, one a guy I really look up to for your passion about what you do. So why don't you just tell us everything you can about that transformation and then a little bit on uh, your contest experience and maybe one or two tips on how you got in really great shape for stepping on stage. Okay, Sure. So for those who don't know my story at all, as Craig said, I was actually nicknamed Wimpy Skinny Vinny, and that was uh, a nickname I received um, in high school and was carried into university, and uh, I was nicknamed Skinny Vinny, so I figured, you know, what better sport to take up to cater to my physique than long-distance running. So uh, I got into long-distance running, and, uh, you know, I always wanted to build muscle, but even my dad used to always say, you know, you're, you're built like a runner, so I figured I might as well become a runner. And uh, it wasn't bodybuilding, but it was at least something, and it was at least uh, something that I was good at. So I, I basically survived high school uh, by finding my identity and being a pretty decent runner. So, you know, everybody laughed at me, but I was at least good at something. And uh, I carried that into university. And I still had this fascination with building some muscle, but as a runner, you know, it's not really two sports don't uh, don't uh, go well together. So I continued running, and um, uh, basically what happened in second year university, I ended up in a house with eight other guys, and um, about five of the five or six of the guys in the house were absolutely shredded. Like these guys were jacked. They had they had like. 15, 16 inch guns, um, some of them maybe 17 inches. Guns are a uh, name for arms, by the way. <laughs> um, 
these guys had like six packs and eight packs, and these guys were just like really studly guys. They were basically the guys every other guy on campus is jealous of, and they're basically they're basically the guys that every girl on campus wanted to be with. And these were my roommates, and um, I was still skinny Vinny at the time, so uh, I kind of lived vicariously through them and all their experiences and all their crazy adventures and stuff, everything that comes along with university, um, which is basically what we call that. We, that's what we call our college in Canada here. So um, I always had this fascination of build muscle and it intensified while I lived with these guys. But, again, it was one of those, it was one of those dreams. I, thought, I figured that the muscle... Everything that they had, I figured it was something that was just a dream for Vinny. You know, it was just uh, something that I could never have. It's something I always wanted, but I figured that, you know, in this lifetime, I was destined to live up to my nickname, Skinny Vinny, and uh, just be a long-distance runner. So let's fast forward a bit. I graduated from university, got a degree in kinesiology, so I studied all this stuff on health sciences and how the body works, and uh, I... um believe it or not, got into the fitness industry. I actually had this fascination with the fitness industry, but again, the only problem was is I didn't look like a personal trainer, and, and who wants to take advice from a skinny guy? So um, I had a lot of motivation after university to transform my body, and my uh, running career came to an end. I'd run out of eligibility. So I basically said to myself, you know, this is my opportunity to uh, transform my body. So after university, I um, started lifting some weights, and um it wasn't very successful um, until I met this guy at my church of all places, and uh, he was an ex-pro um, bodybuilder. Um, actually, I don't know if he was a pro, but he was a he was a champion bodybuilder at the provincial level. That's right. He was a, this is this is this is back when I was 22 years of age. By the way, I'm 30 years old right now too. So um, some of my details might be a tad off, but basically he. Um, was a he was a champion bodybuilder at the provincial level, and he said he couldn't go um, be a champion at the Canadian level because he was drug free. And I didn't know what that meant at the time, but he basically said I'd have to take steroids if I was to develop my physique and to compete with the guys at the next level. So I instantly made a connection with this guy that you know he was someone I could trust and someone that seemed to have a you know good head on his shoulders and. Um, he had built all of his muscle naturally, which is how I wanted to build my muscle. I didn't want to get into uh, anything extra than just, you know, eating whole food and maybe some supplements, but I didn't want to go much beyond that. So, um, anyways, he started telling me how to build muscle, and he started sharing me these long-lost secrets and a lot of old-school techniques that uh, none of my friends were following, and it wasn't none of the information was uh, the same as what you'd read in the magazines or on most websites. It was actually quite different than what most people have heard. And I started implementing these different secrets and techniques. And um, next thing I know, I'd gained 41 pounds of muscle within six months. I went from 149 pounds to 190 pounds. And um, that was a huge uh, body transformation. That was my first body transformation, and I have pictures to record that. And uh, it was all by following his uh, simple tricks and techniques that were uh, um, – based on, you know, full-body workouts, high-intensity training, training muscle groups um, frequently but with low volume. So a lot of different methods that I had been exposed to prior to meeting this guy. And uh, 
that really catapulted my personal training career. I started attracting more clients. I started getting really good at the personal training business. And um, over time, a lot of people at the gym started telling me, hey, Vince, you should put this stuff into uh, into a book. And I had no intentions of ever writing a book. I didn't even know what the Internet really was, I, aside from using email on it. I didn't know you could teach people how to get fit on the Internet. So I... Uh, all of this guys, you know, I started listening to people and they, you know, I started considering, hey, it'd be kind of cool to put my program into a book and uh, make it available to help more people than just the people here in the gym. You know, I was helping 30 to 40 people a week, but I thought maybe what if I could help like, you know, 30 to 40 people a day in all sorts of different countries. So that was my inspiration for getting my uh, book on the internet and learning how to make that available to as many people as possible. And um, over the last couple of years, my uh, my original book, which I called No Nonsense Muscle Building, became very popular. And um, uh, as, you, as you were mentioning, I did get into fitness shows shortly after that. I competed at the World Fitness Model Championships in Toronto a couple times and some other shows. Um, I've placed everywhere from the middle of the pack to the top five to the top three, and I've even won one show. So, uh, um, you know, it's been uh, it's been pretty cool. And as I've progressed in my own physique, I have, uh, you know, progressed in releasing new programs and new information for people to uh, follow along with me. So uh, as my body's developed, so has my, uh, my own learning and so has my own uh, um, um, information that I've released to people as well. So it's been a, it's been a fun journey. Hey, Vince, I got a real quick question for you. Now, going way back to when you were in high school, you were talking about how everyone was kind of, you know, it was almost like they were um, supporting your belief of yourself as the runner, like that was your identity, and, and, you know, you did definitely use it positively, but do you think, you know, some people just get that reinforcement, like your dad says, oh, you know, you, you have the, the build for a runner, do you think that kind of holds people back sometimes? Oh, 100%, because it's a safety net. No one expected me to be a bodybuilder. No one ever, ever told me, Vince, you should do a fitness model show. No one ever told me, Vince, you should try and be a successful personal trainer. Like, I was going against everything that I was naturally born into. I was born into a world of running and long-distance sports and triathlons and swimming and biking where, you know, nobody in my family was, like, muscular. Like, there was no external pressure or anything to do that. So I had... No one was expecting me to do that. So I could have like, okay, I'm going to try this out. And if it doesn't work, okay, at least I tried it and just simply returned to running. So this was all pure me. This was what I wanted. And I think that's really powerful for people listening because, you know, if you may have been born in an environment that don't, doesn't support your current goals. And that doesn't mean anything. If you want to do it, you can make it happen. That's awesome stuff. So actually, that leads us right into the next mindset question that I had, because again, for everyone listening, you know, Vince is a real great guy. First of all, just a bottom line foundation. He's just a wonderful, wonderful person. Um, and you know, the muscle stuff that he has is awesome too. But when I hang around him, it's you know, the stuff that I get the most from him is just his mindset, the way he believes in himself. And uh, so, Vince, I think you have something that a lot of people would love to have. And and you also have some information that will really help people. So could you tell us about the mindset that you had when you were ready to blow, back, blow past your potential for both muscle and fat loss? You know, what, what was the feeling inside? What was the mentality? And, and just, you know, really share with us there. 
what was my mentality? Um, it was going to happen. It was just a matter of when. Never, I guess I'm trying to think. So basically, what was my mentality of making my future um, transformations happen? Yeah, yeah. Like, were you ever thinking, oh, you know, I'm not sure this is going to happen? Or were you always positive from day one? You was just like, I'm going to make this happen no matter what. You know, how how is that? How are you thinking and feeling when you decide to make those changes? And, you know, along the way, as you got closer to the goals, did you get more confidence as you went along in believing you had reached those goals? Or did you always believe it from the start? Gotcha. I think the first thing I always ask myself and I always realize with any transformation I'm going to do, anything that is the next step in the evolution of, you know, my life, I recognize this one principle, and it's simple. It's, there's always a price. There's always a price to anything you do in life. If you want to excel at one thing, other things are probably going to get sacrificed. You can't excel in everything in life. You, you, you can't be a movie star. You can't be a great singer. You can't be a professional soccer player. You know, you can't be a, an internet celebrity. Like, you've kind of got to pick, what do I want to do really, really good at? So transforming your body requires a lot of sacrifice, especially in the last, you know, final weeks and final phases when you're really getting close to that finish line. So I guess I always have to, I always have to ask myself, you know, why am I doing this? What is the outcome at the end? And is the reward greater than the price? You know, is the payoff better than the price? And am I willing to sacrifice this, um, you know, what's going to be involved to chase after this goal? And um, the majority of time I, I um, would identify strong enough whys and strong enough reasons to stay motivated. And then there are other times where I would find that, man, man I've missed my cardio like a couple days in a row or, you know, I haven't been sticking to my meal plan. And those are real eye-openers because they reveal how committed you are to your goals. And it's one, it's one, I think there's a saying that says, you know, what you're not willing to do will reveal how committed you are to uh, what you said you want to do. So uh, for me, a lot of this, you know, when I decide to do something, it's always big. It's never, like, just small. It needs to be something that's motivating, and it's got to be something that I can leverage and use over and over again and um, something that will, you know, help me for the rest of my life. I don't like doing things that only give me a benefit once. So, you know, for example, what my first body transformation when I was 22, you know, I got these great before and after pictures, and I was the I was able to use them to get a lot of clients for, like, a couple of years, you know, that was that was worth the trade-off of, uh, you know, transforming my body and leaving the long-distance running world behind. So I always ask myself, is the is the price great? Is the, is is the reward greater than the price? And if it is, um, that's typically my mindset before, and that's what keeps me motivated. I think everybody asks, you know, how do you stay motivated? I don't think you can motivate yourself. I believe you can just inspire yourself. So those goals are so inspiring to me of what I'm going to get at the end. That's what keeps my mindset focused on what I'm trying to do. Very good. And then just one last question on the mindset stuff here first is, you know, when when did you decide to make that change? You said as you were living with those guys, your intensification for thinking about building muscle was going greater and greater and greater 
And so when was, like, you know, what was the last thing that made you finally go, okay, now I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this, you know, full-on hardcore? Um, actually, it's, it's actually pretty dramatic. I still remember. Um, my running year, my, my running career was, I could write a, a book about that. It was a very emotional experience. If anybody's been involved in competitive uh, competitive sports, and uh, then they know that, I mean, any competitive sport, especially when you've got, like, a lot of, uh, you know, really high-strung coaches and really intense, uh, you know, um, teammates and that who want to win and identify them, you know, everything around winning. I mean, I was I was living under a lot of pressure. So my fourth year is my final year, and things just weren't coming together with my running. And I was just getting frustrated, and I realized that, you know, I'm done with this sport. I've been doing it for eight, nine years. I was tired of being skinny, and I specifically remember one workout just uh, coming in the middle of an interval and just stopping and realizing, you know what, I'm ready to move forward. And, you know, I was hanging up my identity of being a runner, and I found, I found like, I need a new identity now. Now what, what are people going to know me for? I'm no longer a runner. So that was the day I said, you know, I want to be known as, you know, I didn't know exactly what the term was. I wanted to be a, an awesome personal trainer. I wanted to be a, a muscular guy that, you know, I wanted to just have everything that the muscle gave these guys that I live with. So I was like, this is the time. And that was right at the end of my fourth year of university. Very interesting. Very interesting. And, and so I guess you must get a lot of um, stories from readers that are in a similar situation that uh, are ready to make those changes. And so is there any tips that you give them at, you know, when they're first getting started? What are the main things that you would suggest to people? Uh, grab a camera and take before pictures. I'm sure people have heard that before, but something happens when you take before pictures and you see them. It's like... All right, these are this is this is what I'm leaving behind. So I that was really powerful for me. And um you know, just start acting like a bodybuilder, you know, start living the part. I remember one of the first things I did was I always wanted to go into supplement stores. I although I don't promote supplements, I always find it cool walking in there. Um when I buy supplement it like motivates me. It's it's weird. So um, I think one of the first things I did was bought a, a tub of protein powder. I spent money on something I never spent money on in my entire life, and uh, that was that was a step in the in the next direction. Um, you know, I'm making I got into the personal training, so I took steps. I started acting the part. I started acting. You know, if you want to be a muscular 200 pound guy, start acting like a 200 pound. Uh, muscular guy. You know, I think I bought chicken breast. I never bought chicken breast. I don't think I ate a, a single piece of chicken in four years of my running. I ate pasta all the time. So I started buying foods I never bought before. So I just started doing habits that reinforced who I wanted to be. So I guess a bit of bit of investing in in stuff that will get you towards your goal. It's kind of like you know, it takes you from being a guy who may, might read somebody else's magazine and look at the pictures and say, yeah, I want to I want to build muscle too, and then maybe who goes and works out once in a while. That's different from a guy who's going to buy the magazine, buy the protein powder, buy the, the food, buy the gym membership, and get really serious, maybe even get a personal training session. I mean, you, you would probably say that that guy's going to have a lot more chance of success. Yeah. You got you got to get some blood in the game. You've got to put something at stake. You know, if I give you free advice, free food, if I give you, if, if there's nothing at stake, there's no consequence. You know, you've got to make it hurt. And that's typically how you can identify if you're serious or not. If you're not willing 
again, there's always a price. If you're not willing to spend some money on some things that you need, on tools, resources to get you going, you're probably just not that serious, which is fine. Just acknowledge it for what it is. So I guess some of the common characteristics of a success story would be, you know, the commitment, the investment, being willing to learn, being open to new ideas. Anything else that you can think of there, planning, you know, uh, taking time to prepare things and setting time aside and being disciplined with your time? Um, in terms of characteristics of my success stories, those are uh, – you just touched on some really good one, good ones. I mean, one is people who are focused. So, I mean – People who are not easily distracted. I mean, you know, um, a lot of people who experience obstacles are just taking their eyes off the goal. There's a little quote that goes, obstacles are what you see when you take your eyes off the goal. So you'll find that people who are successful in life in all arenas, they're just very laser-targeted focused on what they're trying to get out of it. And that's that comes down to not being distracted by other things. So, you know... You, you realize I really, I really you like can't excel at everything in life, that you choose to excel in a few things and to do it really well. So focus is very good. Commitment is huge. People who are able to follow a program from start to finish, like my top success stories are obviously okay, from people in the gym, people who completed all the personal training sessions. If I told them I needed to see you three times a week, they were in the gym three times a week. If someone signed up for my six-month program, the success stories are the people who finished the six-month program. Same thing with the people in my current uh, Maximize Your Muscle program. The best people, the best results are from people who are still in the program. They're still following it. It's not anything more complicated than that. So people who are committed and don't easily get distracted from, you know, the latest, you know, the the newest carrot that's dangling in front of them. Um, Willing to learn is really important, too, because, you know, my program, I do uh, teach more than two or three ways to build muscle. You know, most people are... I've been told just you know lift alternate heavy lifting and volume lifting, and the fact is that there's your body's more sophisticated than that. So, you know if you're a know-it-all or you're you know just looking for one little quick tip, um, probably aren't going to do well with my stuff because there's an entire system that works together, and everything builds off of previous phases and previous previous months. So you have to be open to um, to learn new methods and uh, new ideas. And then you've got to be an action taker. Obviously, anybody you know that's successful, anybody that we hang out with are action takers. They're self-motivated individuals, and they may need, everybody needs a push. There's nothing wrong with needing a push. Um, the fact is, is that some people need a bit more of a push than others. That's okay, but when they get going, you know, you take action, and you implement, and you learn from doing. So those are the traits of people who are most successful with my stuff. Awesome. And, and that leads into... Uh question I want to ask you about, you know, talking about your new Maximize Your Muscle, you're talking about 12 anabolic targets. So can you pick out maybe three of your favorite anabolic targets from the 12 and, you know, maybe share with us a brief uh, introduction to those and one or two awesome exercises that really works well with each of those uh, factors? Okay, I'll start with, um, when Craig said the word anabolic, I know probably, uh, there's probably a lot of females on the call as well. And don't let that term scare you. Even if you're, I told my mom, mom, you need to say anabolic. If and she goes, anabolic, isn't that, is that, is, I don't want to get bulky. So anabolic simply means to be in a state of growth. So you want to be in a state of uh, rebuilding muscle tissue. 
not in a state of eating up your muscle tissue for energy. So that's all that term means. Uh, don't let it scare you away if you're a beginner or a female or if, uh, you know, wh- wherever you're at. So one target that um, a lot of people don't use is unilateral lifting. I incorporate a lot of this early on in my programs. Unilateral lifting is basically training one side at a time or using an, an emphasis on dumbbells or one-arm cables, anything that allows uh, one limb to work by itself. Um, the reason that it works is because um, most people have very inefficient nervous systems and they can't recruit all their muscle fibers. So if you can't recruit all your muscle fibers, you're, you're only as strong as your weakest link. So um, incorporating some unilateral lifting into your programs, um, basically switching out barbells for dumbbells, um, switching out um, maybe a seated row with a bar for a seated row with a with a cable. Instead of doing squats, um, starting to learn how to do one-legged squats. Instead of doing deadlifts, start doing one-legged deadlifts. Those will recruit more muscle fibers. That's going to make your nervous system more efficient, and those are going to have carryover effects to your future programs that will help you get better results. So you're basically making your current system work more efficiently. So... Uh, um, don't drop all your bilateral work, but by incorporating some unilateral exercises, um, this is really effective if you're a beginner or have shorter limbs as well. Um, sorry, if you have longer limbs. Uh, people with longer limbs have a harder time recruiting their muscles, so if you're really tall or, and lanky, um, some, some unilateral training will help out a lot as well. Um, that's one. Want to move on? Yeah, hit, hit us with two more, buddy. Okay, so um, I got them right here in front of me. I'm taking a look at, oh, I want to touch on heavy lifting, but in a, in a way that people probably aren't familiar with. Um, heavy lifting um, sometimes gets a bad rap. It sometimes scares people, sometimes scares older, older folks, and um, there certainly is a degree of, you know, um, you know, skill that's involved when you start lifting heavier weights and you need, there needs to be more appreciation and respect for what you're doing. But assuming that the technique is proper and the weights are heavy relative to the individual in a manner that isn't going to injure them, assuming that is all in place, and if you're unsure if it is, you know, get some, get some coaching maybe from a trainer from, or from somebody who can watch your form and technique. And uh, a new technique that I've been experimenting with is called wave loading. And wave loading is um, kind of a modified version of uh, powerlifting, and um, it's extremely um, effective because it helps increase your maximal strength, so the absolute amount of weight that you can lift. It improves your power and your explosiveness, and those are all those are three different um, physical qualities that will stimulate different muscle fibers and different systems in your body. Again, contributing to the overall uh, the overall growth of your body. So again, you, there's different systems in your body and you can't neglect them. If you neglect one, you'll limit others. So um, incorporating a bit of heavy lifting is very, very uh, effective and it has a huge carryover effect into your subsequent program. So here's an example of wave loading. Let's say on day one, you're doing a push day, which includes a bench press, a squat, um, a shoulder press and a lunge. So just two upper body, two lower body push movements. On the second day, we're doing uh, a pull day. We're doing a deadlift. We're doing a lat pull down. We're doing a stiff-legged deadlift and a seated row. So 
What we'll do for wave loading is um, we'll do one set of five. So this is after we've warmed up at a maximal weight. Then we'll do one set of four and then one set of three. So um, we're not going to go all the way down to singles, but we're going to lift heavier weights than we're, norm we're, we're normally used to lifting to improve our nervous system. And then we'll go through that uh, for a couple sets on each one of those exercises. And that's going to really boost your nervous system. And um, we're going to take a little longer rest period so we can lift those heavier weights. But we're just going to basically give your body um, a wake-up call to some heavier weights, and that's going to um, improve your nervous system, and that's going to uh, have carryover to the next phase that you transition into. Very cool. And then what about for women? Do you have uh, maybe one factor that really women love and really love to put in their program as well? Yeah, you know what I've been doing a lot with Flavia lately is supersets on the same muscle group. And um, that just naturally increases the intensity of um, of the muscle group. So, for example, I may have her do push-ups on a BOSU ball. So the BOSU ball is an unstable surface, and it's going to, like, make her arm – it's going to make her triceps shake a little bit. And uh, it's going to help her recruit her chest and tricep muscles – when we superset it with, say, a dumbbell chest press right after that. So supersetting the same muscle group is really, really effective. You could do a lateral raise right into a shoulder press. You could do a leg extension right into a squat or vice versa. Uh, bottom line is you put more tension on the muscles, and that typically, typically breaks females out of the typical, you know, 6 to 8 reps, 10 to 12 reps, 12 to 15 reps. Um, I find most females just don't put enough tension on their muscles. Their their sets aren't long enough to create any sort of stimulus or intensity. So that superset method is really effective. And to take it a step further, I would introduce giant sets. So maybe on a workout, me and Flavia will do um, she'll do legs and arms on one day, and on the leg workout, she'll do three leg exercises back to back to back, and she'll go heavy on each set. So ten reps, ten reps, ten reps, and uh, it basically doubles and triples the intensity of the set, and by the uh, you know after a couple giant sets for each body part, um, her muscles are fried, and um, she's got a great pump. She's sweating, and uh, she's improving her overall work capacity. So everybody knows that increasing your overall work capacity is going to is going to increase you know the size of your muscles, and by increasing the size of your muscles, even if you're a female, that is going to increase the amount of calories that you burn during the day. So it's going to in turn get you leaner and more shapely. So uh, um, once you once you drop the fear of gaining a bit of muscle, then that's actually when you start gaining some muscle and that's when the results start to happen. So um, it's really just to be uh, positive and trust these techniques that have worked for, you know, a long, long time. Cool. Let's turn over a little bit to fat loss now and talk about maybe how well uh, one of these factors might be able to help people lose uh, stubborn fat, and also some of the some of the secrets that you used when you were burning your stubborn fat to to win the bikini contest and all that type of stuff. So, just a couple of big big tips on the fat loss. Stuff. It actually was called a bikini show, which is hilarious. I know that's why I said, man. That's why I said <laughs> the Mister Chin Bikini Show. Um, anyway, so one technique is what I what I use is called escalating build up running. And this is really effective pre- and post-workout. So um, here's how it works. Instead of doing intervals, so I think most people know what intervals are, one-minute hard, one-minute easy. This is actually my personal favorite 
fat-burning strategy, and this is even more preferred for me than interval training. And what it does is um, you basically, what you do is you increase the intensity on a set period of time. So let's say we're warming up for 10 minutes on a treadmill and we're running. We'll start the treadmill off at 5 miles per hour, and every minute we'll increase at 0.5. And by the end of the 10 minutes, you're running close to 10 miles per hour. Um, again, I just made this up, you know, I don't know if there's, you know, the fact, you know, why this works in that, but, um, the first thing I think, the first reason why I think it works is that, uh, you get used to running at a higher intensity, you get your heart rate up much quicker, um, it gets your, um, your mind into a state of, you know, intensity and getting ready for the weight training session that's about to follow, and it just gets you burning, um, it gets you burning your glycogen quicker so that when your workout's done after your weights, you get into your fat stores quicker. So it's also, it's just more challenging. Um, it's more stimulating as well. So you can do it like that. Another variation is to increase it uh, one mile per hour every two minutes. The bottom line is you set a period of time for your warm-up and you increase it until the last two to three minutes. You're pretty much at a 75-80% effort, and you'll find that you're anaerobic for you know, at least two, three minutes near the end, which is really, really powerful for getting you fit. Um, and I do that at the end of my workouts as well. The reason I like it is because it's short, it gets the job done, and, uh, you know, nobody really wants to stay in the gym for an ex- any, any more time than they have to when they're done their weight. So this is a nice way to, you know, get some good quality uh, fat burning in right after your workout or before your workout. Very cool. Well, let's, uh, we're going to turn it over now to some of the Facebook questions that we've got because there were some really good ones. So um, our first question is, can you build muscle and burn fat at the same time? Is this a myth or a reality? Um, It's a reality, 100%. There's a lot of people that do both. And um, my personal take is that it's easier to chase one goal at once because they are competing goals. One asks you to eat more calories and one asks you to eat fewer calories. And my personal take on it is that it's easier to, again, this is like my whole mindset on life, which is kind of funny. Um, It's easier to excel at one thing than to try and do other things um, and spread yourself thin. So I would prefer to excel at building muscle for a set period of time, let's say for four months, and then dedicate a set period of time, let's say another three or four months to just losing fat. I would prefer to excel in each of those than to try and do both at the same time and just to get, you know, mediocre results. Perfect. And next question comes in from Ash Yang, and they ask, to get rid of the last 4 to 5% of body fat, is it absolutely necessary to count calories? And in addition to that, I'm going to say, you know, what did you find was necessary for you to do in order to, you know, get those advanced results? I mean, the more advanced you get, the more in tune you'll become with your body. I know there's some guys who still count calories, some don't. You, you really, I mean, this is like uh, something you have to find out for yourself in terms of, like everybody is going to have a different experience when they incorporate some sort of method. So make sure you document everything and keep a record of what worked and what didn't because, you know, you'll probably do a couple transformations through the course of your life. So it's cool to accumulate this information and as the as your transformations go on, you'll be able to do each one quicker and more efficiently. So for the last four to 
4 to 5 percent. Is it necessary to count calories? Probably not, but it's probably not a bad idea, at least just to um, get an idea. I, I only count calories once when I get ready for a program. I lay out my program, and um, I just want to make sure, you know, 8 to 10 weeks out, um, I've got, you know, if I'm, if I'm supposed to be on 2,400 calories, I want to make sure I'm at 2,400 calories. But the thing with a fat loss meal plan is that everything is probably set up in blocks. So I may have like one cup of this, two cups of that, three cups of this. And if I'm not dropping, I don't need to like, you know, fixate on the calories. I just, you know, drop a block, you know, or I cut one block in half. So, and the changes happen slowly and um, one at a time so you can monitor the result. You don't want to change too many things at once when you're trying to cut fat or else you're not going to know what contributed to what. Perfect. Okay, next question comes from Scott Fishkind, and he asks, I'm curious as to your set and rep scheme that you like. Uh, you know, he talks about uh, Skip Liqueur and others with the max OT, like the four to six reps, and then other people usually say 8 to 12 reps for hypertrophy. You know, what uh, What do you like to use? I like to mix it up. You know, I find that um, they all work and they all have their time and place. I like to blend each of those into a workout. So for this fellow here, he's got the 4 to 6 rep range maybe for a mass builder at the start of his workout. That's great. You know, four, four or five sets. Then he could do... Um, and that's going to hit the type 2 fibers. And he could do uh, another couple sets on 8 to 12 rep range. That's going to hit more of the intermediate fibers, and he could do uh, a different angle on the muscle for that. And then he could finish off with, uh, you know, two or three sets of, like, 15 to 25 reps, and that's going to hit the endurance fibers, which have a lot of potential for growth as well. And then he'll get his muscles hit at three angles, and he's going to hit all three muscle fibers. So... In terms of hypertrophy, I find that a variety of rep ranges is really beneficial. That's how I'd sequence them in a program for hard gainers, burn out the, the, the fibers that fatigue first and then go to the ones that fatigue slower throughout. And, um, you know, stick to one method and, you know, periods of time. Like, realize there's so many different tools. So, I mean, you're not going to be able to figure it all out, all out at once. So, I would experiment with this phase for at least three weeks, document the results, take what works, drop what doesn't, and move forward to the next phase. Very cool. All right, next question comes from Raymond Ho, and he says, how does your Maximize Your Muscle program differ from your original no-nonsense muscle building program? All right, good question. Um, so no-nonsense muscle building, consider it a beginner program. That is the way that I built my first 41 pounds of muscle in six months. The principles are based on low volume, high intensity, high frequency workouts, a lot of full body uh, workouts, a lot of, um, you know, a lot of compound movements, high intensity training, not your traditional bodybuilding training, no-nonsense muscle building. Consider no-nonsense muscle building like the appetizer meal. If you haven't gone through that program and mastered those basic principles, you probably aren't ready for maximize your muscle unless you've got a couple of years of training uh, behind your belt with other programs. So uh, maximize your muscle is an advanced program, which means that you've, you've got more than one to four years of training experience. You're familiar with you know, all the terminology that we've used so far on the call, and, um, you know, you've got some exposure to other people's programs, and you've seen your body change 
already. And um, the most qualified person for Maximize Your Muscle is somebody who's hit a plateau and, you know, can't remember the last time they built muscle and are convinced that their body's done growing and uh, has tried every other method under the sun and every other supplement and just can't seem to get to that next level. If that's you, you are a perfect candidate for uh, for this program because you are going to learn and be exposed to completely uh, completely different methods and different strategies you've never used before. Very cool, very cool. And um, a guy named Addy Runs, he just wants to say hey. He just wants to say hi to Vince. <laughs> hey. That's very good. And then uh, next question is, oh, here's a question from Stephanie Burdett. And she asked, how can a 27-year-old female lose the last few pounds without sprinting intervals because she has some knee problems? So she's been doing some bodyweight interval complexes and biking and lifting program, but she's struggling a little bit. And and she says her eating habits are pretty good, but she's struggling right now. Is there anything that you can, uh, maybe any one of those factors you think that would really help her out? Yeah. No, she's she's right on track with the bodyweight interval complexes. That's excellent. I would just continue to scale up the intensity, maybe just allow a little more time. Just, uh, you know, don't be too hard on yourself considering the fact that you can't do sprinting intervals. You know, I guess, it, you know, the fact is that those will speed up her results. I mean, you know, she could always take the bodybuilder approach. I mean, bodybuilders get into, like, the most incredible shape uh, people have ever seen, and uh, they just rely on long, slow cardio. I mean... I mean, in her, I know you're not a big proponent of that, Craig, and, you know, I'm not for the majority of people. Well, it's all about the time factor, right? I mean, if she's got the time and that's all she can do, then, you know, I I certainly know people that have done it, but, you know, I also think, like, you're going to say that diet's also the hugest factor, and then, you know, you do what you can after that. Exactly. So I would say the majority of people listening to this call should be able, you know, males should be able to get the 10% body fat with just weight training and a clean diet. You typically don't need the aggressive cardio or the long, slow cardio until those last few pounds. And um, she could certainly incorporate some uh, high incline walking on a treadmill. I think that would be really effective to um, do that. She could try some really early morning cardio on an empty stomach, taking maybe some uh, branched-chain amino acids and um, maybe a bit of whey protein powder just to keep her muscle. That might help. I would time her cardio at times of the day where she there's a better chance of getting into her fat stores quicker. So maybe even even another another strategy not a lot of people talk about, but I've got a lot of buddies who who get ready for fitness shows and uh, I ask them, you know, what do you do your cardio? And um one of my buddies who's the most shredded guy you'll see, he'll do 45 minutes of running in the evening time after his last meal. And then he doesn't eat the rest of the night and he'll go to bed. So he does all of his cardio late in the night, right before, you know, a few hours before bed. So, you know, while he's sleeping, his body's probably getting up, digging out a lot of fat or energy. So that's another time she could try out the, the long, slow cardio right before bed. Great stuff, man. And then uh, Scott Shearer has a question. Um, and this is always a common question about, you know, should a guy get lean first and then try and pack on muscle or you know, should he try and pack on muscle first and then try and get lean? So he's talking about, you know, how lean do you need to get before you need to pack on muscle? And so what are your thoughts on all that? Well, you know, I was 10% body fat when I was a runner, but, you know, I was so skinny. So, I mean, it depends on how you look. I mean, I would say if you're 10% body fat, bulk up. 
Uh, just don't let your body fat go more than 13%. For me, um, I don't like to bulk up without losing my four-pack. So if I start losing the four-pack, uh, then I, I, I try to uh, tighten up the calories around the workout times or um, take a closer look at the quality of calories I'm taking in. But um, I would bulk up if you're low and realize that you can do everything in phases. So um, I would certainly focus on um, – I mean, also, you know, it depends on what time of year it is as well. You know, I know a lot of guys, summertime's rolling around now, so everybody's going to the supplement stores and buying fat burners, and everybody wants to get lean now. So, you know, it depends on the time of year as well. So, you know, wintertime's a great time to bulk up when you're covered up. Summertime's a great time to get shredded and lean down. So consider those things as well. Um, you know, either or, I mean, unless you're in a place where you've got your shirt off all the time, I mean, you know, the difference between 5% and 10% body fat is not going to be noticed unless your shirt is off. So unless you do something very frequently with your shirt off, that's another factor. So uh, I think he can probably figure that out with some of those. What about questions. if you're like 15 or 18% body fat? Do you have a rule like, you know, before you start even thinking about gaining muscle, you should try and get down to 12% fat or something? Yeah, yeah. If someone's 15, 18%, that's too high. They should come down first. Get that closer to 10%. And what that will also do is it will create a lot of really good habits. I mean, it, the fact is, is it takes a lot of discipline and it takes a lot of, uh, it takes a certain kind of person to cut fat. You know, it takes a very motivated and committed kind of person to remove fat from their body. So that will instill a lot of good habits. And uh, I believe that in the process, when somebody cuts that amount of fat off their body, they're going to be way more likely to bulk up with um they're going to be more inclined to bulk up cleaner. So they're not going to pack on that fat they just put, they just got rid of. So I think they'll have a better, they'll, they'll do their, they'll do their bulking phase way more effectively. That's a really great point. I never thought about it that way, but uh, great advice there. Our next question comes from our friend Eris, and he asks simply, have you ever used creatine? And I guess uh, in addition to that, why don't you tell us, you know, what supplements you've tried and, and that you like, or the ones that you currently use, you know, also for health. Yeah, sure, man. That's a good question. First off, if you are going to use supplements, I recommend that you rotate them around. I like to rotate brands around, just like you rotate your foods around. You know, the supplement industry, um, you know, I've got some friends who create supplements, and, uh, you know, I trust them, and I follow their stuff. But it's to me, it's just one of those things I will never know the truth on. <laughs> I will always be, you know, even if I were to make them myself, I would probably still be confused on, you know, how effective this is and, what's you know what i'm really putting in my body but i mean um you know with that said um because you know every supplement company does something different with their products i like to um, rotate them around i like to use different brands i use like to use different products i like to cycle them the ones that i use uh year round are protein powder i'll take that as a, a post-workout shake or sometimes a pre-workout shake i I don't often use them as meal replacements anymore. When I was bulking up, I would make a lot of meal replacement drinks, meaning that I'd like, you know, fruit and, uh, um, you know, sometimes that peanut butter and I'd add other foods. Now that I work from home full time, I don't need as much, I don't need that convenience factor. So, uh, I'll do the majority of my meals whole food prepared and then I only do my shakes pre or post workout. So protein powder is essential, and I consider protein powder like 
you know, I budget it into my grocery list. I don't consider it an extra. You know, I, if you ask me how much my groceries are each week, protein powder would be factored into that. So that's one. I take a multivitamin. Uh, I take a multivitamin and I take fish oils before bed and that's it. And I have used creatine. I did use it in my initial uh, transformation. It will help you store, um, creatine just basically jams water into your muscle cells. And, the, and everybody listening to this call should know that to build muscle, you need to be hydrated. The, the majority, the, one of the most popular reasons guys don't build muscle is because they're dehydrated. So simply by keeping your muscle cells full, you're going to be able to get a better pump, you're going to have more strength, you'll be able to lift more weight. So, uh, I mean, that's what a lot of these supplements get you to do. I mean, if you think about it, a lot of supplements just get you to drink more water. It says on the container, drink two cups of water with it. So you're naturally going to have more water in your body than it did before, and that's what's going to help you build muscle, not the supplements. So, I mean, consider that. So in terms of brands, um, I, I use a company called Blue Star Nutrition right now, and uh, this is actually a company my buddy um, is the is the CEO of, and uh, all this stuff is made in a government audit facility and that. So I, I make sure that um, the company that I get my supplements from is, um, you know, they get their stuff regulated, and um, that ensures that what it says is on the bottle is on the bottle. I like to make sure my stuff is safe, pure, and effective. So um, in terms of edgier supplements, I... Uh, when I'm cutting, I'll use some branched amino acids. I like to use those on my fast days. Um, sometimes use glutamine for muscle soreness. Not very often, though. Um, I like to have a greens product in my house at all times, just in case my fridge is getting low on greens. Um, and um, one, the, probably the most edgy product that I use is a pump product, which has basically got a lot of cell volumizers in it. I use a product from Blue Star Nutrition called Extreme Rush. And uh, it's really, really powerful. It's um, you only need one scoop of it. And anyways, it'll um, it'll jam a lot of water into your muscles. It'll give you a great pump, and it's got a lot of energy complexes in it as well. And um, it will. Um, it's also got some ingredients that increase blood flow to your brain, so uh, it's going to help you stay more alert. Any product that helps you be more alert, more focused, and helps you increase the intensity of your workouts, in my opinion. It's it's a good argument to um, consider consider getting it because you know everybody knows what separates the men from the boys in the gym is intensity. The guys who are getting the best results in the gym are the hardest working, and uh, if you can put anything in your body that's you know safe, then you know I would consider using it. So that's kind of my uh, that's my that's that's my personal uh, requirement and I also like to see that a supplement's been on the market for at least a couple years before I uh, give it further notice. If a supplement is just fresh on the market, rarely will I be the guy that tries it out first. I'll wait. Let some other guys try it out before I check it out. And then the last question is from Jose and he asks, what is the best tempo to use for muscle building? For muscle building, for hypertrophy, a slower, more controlled but again, your body will adapt to that, and then that's when it'll be time for you to try a more explosive movement. So, um, the, probably the best answer, if I had to give one answer, would be explosive on the concentric phase and controlled on the eccentric phase. 
So we're taking a blend of both worlds. We're taking a blend of the bodybuilding world that is slow and controlled on everything, and then we're taking a really important component of the powerlifting world, and we're going explosive on the way up. So explosive on the way up, controlled on the way down. Controlled meaning at least two to four seconds, depending on the movement. And that will put a, put quite a bit of tension on your muscles. Perfect. Very good, Vince. All right, last couple of questions on mindset to finish off the call. And, um, you know, I just wanted you to maybe tell us about the five M's that you teach people because I think they're very powerful and I really like the way that, you know, you really get into it. You know, you talk about muscle and you're really into it, but when you talk about this stuff, you really, really get into it. And I think people would be uh, positively affected by the uh, energy that you bring to that. Huh. Well, I've got to give my dad credit for the first three. Um I'm not sure he got it from somebody else too, but hope he doesn't hear that. But um, I mean, the first there's five M's that I feel that every man, every men, every man, sorry, is most passionate about, and it's mainly because we're all you know made from the same person, so we're all wired the same way. So it makes sense of why when I say these five things, they ring true for the majority of people listening. So. The five M's I think every man is most passionate about is figuring out their mission. Actually, let me back up. Figuring out who their maker is. So I think every person on life in life, every male is is wondering, you know, who the heck made me, you know, and why did he or she, whatever you believe, why did he or she make me? Because I didn't just, I don't believe I just ended up here by random chance. I believe we're all here, we're all here, put here for a reason, for a purpose. And I think that the majority of guys want to know why they were put here. How am I supposed to make use of the time that I've been given? So I want to um, explore that, you know, who your maker is. Well, what is your mission? That kind of, I, kind of blend, tied, I kind of touched on that already. But, you know, what's my mission in my life? You know, what's my higher calling? What legacy do I want to leave behind? So I think every man has a deep-down desire to fulfill their mission in life. And whatever arena it is, arena it is in, I think every man wants recognition and to do whatever they do, you know, at a, at a level that, you know, benefits other people and that. So figuring out your mission. Third, I think every male wants to find their mate. Um, you know, I don't think that we're all, you know, there's nothing wrong with leading a life of singleness. Um, I believe that singleness is actually a gift. And that's the way I always saw my singleness. I was actually, you know, a long time ago, I, I kind of just, uh, I, uh, you know, came to uh, the conclusion that, you know, hey, listen, if I'm meant to be single, that's not a problem. I will make the most of that. Uh, but, you know, I think a lot of people, too, also are interested in who can I do life with? Who could I team up with? You know, who's going in the same direction that I'm going? And uh, who could come alongside me and who could I help? So figuring out who their mate is. And then the last two M's were the two M's that I added. <laughs> you guys can probably guess these. Uh, muscle and money. So I think every guy wants to enhance their physique, and they want to look above the norm, and they want to look better than the you know the majority of guys out there. They want to look good for their females, and they just want to uh, feel confident about their physique when they take their shirt off. And then money. I think uh, you know money represents a certain you know somebody who has it, um, who's who's built it represents a certain kind of person and uh to me money is not a bad thing to be honest i think that uh you know people who have money are given more responsibility and they can uh do more 
and do more good for the world too. So, uh, you know, I think a lot of guys are interested in doing more than just serving themselves and money gives you that opportunity to, uh, go beyond just your own little world. So, uh, you know, it also requires a certain kind of person. You need to be ambitious and self-driven, and you need to uh, contribute. Money is just a representation of value. So to me, somebody who's creating uh, more money than someone else is just somebody who's creating more value for society. And somebody who's not making a lot of money, I would I would challenge them and ask them, ask them if they wish, you know, maybe you can consider doing a better contribution for society because, you know, that's all that money represents. So, um yeah, so I want to expand on all those things. I want to help men figure those things out. And, you know, along with me, I haven't figured them all out. But those are the kind of things that drive me. So I figure there's probably a lot of guys out there just like me. And I haven't figured out of, what to do with the ladies yet. <laughs> and then that kind of um, kind of answers this question a little bit. But, you know, the last thing that I want to answer or ask you is what do you want your legacy to be? What do, pe- what do you want people to think about Vince Filmani in in the future? That's a good question. I think, um, uh, without going too deep or anything, I think I just want to be known as a guy. I would be happy to be known for a couple things. One is that, you know, I was a guy, a man of my word. You know, so if I said I was going to do something, I did it. I'd want to be one of those guys that you could count on. Um, somebody who was transparent and authentic, so somebody who didn't try and be fake. You know, I'm definitely not, I don't mind making mistakes. I don't mind screwing up. So somebody who is real. And I think I just want to be known as one of those guys, you know, who leaves things better than they found them. So, you know, if I walk into your house, you know, when I leave your house, your house will be cleaner than when I arrive. So that kind of thing. I just want to, you know, leave. I want people, because I figured out in life early on that people don't remember what you do. They remember how you make them feel. No one will remember what you did. But they will remember if you made them laugh, if you made them smile, if you did something good for them. So I think I just want to try and... uh you know, be known for making things, leaving things better than I found them. Very good, Vince. That's really, really awesome. And, and that brings us to the end of our call. So, uh, Vince, do you want to just tell everyone what the website to check out next week to check, you know, for people who are really serious about, you know, getting into your muscle building program? Um, did you, like did you have one you wanted them to check out? What's that? Did you have a, did you, did you have them, I know you're giving away something special for people oh, who Oh, that's uh, right, I am. <laughs> Good thing you're on the call, Vince. Yes, I'm giving away <laughs> a uh, TT bodybuilding program to everybody who, who is really interested in Vince's program. It goes through leanmassmetabolism.com, and if you check that out. But Vince's website is going to be maximizeyourmuscle.com. And why don't you just tell us again briefly about the, the program, and then we'll finish off here and uh, hopefully left everybody better off then uh, we then they started with this great information. <laughs> All right, so maximize your muscle is uh, our advanced muscle routines to blow beyond your genetic potential, and they involve and and, and the program involves exclusive coaching with me. So it's it's a monthly program. It's called Maximize Your Muscle Monthly Series, and um, it's it's uh, based on the twelve anabolic targets. The 12 anabolic targets are the 12 different ways you can build muscle. And we target uh, a blend of phases each month. So Maximize Your Muscle is a curriculum-based program, meaning that each phase is delivered to you one month at a time. So it's a membership-style program. And you are um, going to be able to check it out on Tuesday and try out the first phase. 
really low risk. You'll see how we've got that set up. It's, it's something I've never done before. It's really, really special. So if you have any interest whatsoever, um, uh, the only reason you shouldn't try it out is if you haven't had more than a year of weight training experience and if, uh, you know, you're just getting started. But um, otherwise, make sure you check out check it out. And um, each month, um, it, it will be delivered to your front door. I think the coolest thing about this program is that it's not digital. It is um, a hard copy program. It includes a 20-page print newsletter. And the print newsletter goes beyond just fitness. This is finally my opportunity to talk about more than just muscle. I talked about a lot of the other things we discussed on the call, the other M's. You know, I talked about how I met my fiance and how I bought my first house at the age of 24 and how I was driving my dream car by the age of 25 and, um, you know, how I've done a lot of, you know, able to travel and do lots of trips. So I basically reveal my entire growth in all areas of life, how I've blown beyond my, blown beyond my potential in, uh, in other areas of my life, just not my physical. So, um, that's been the highlight, to be honest, of my month, writing that newsletter. Um, and it's information that I don't reveal anywhere else. It's not in my free videos or my or my um, my uh, free newsletters, although that information is very good, too. And then it also comes with a two-hour DVD. And uh, the two-hour DVD is of me performing the monthly phase. So phase one is called 100 Prep Muscle. That comes out this Tuesday. So I perform every single workout, and uh, I got inspired by Dorian Yates when I saw his Blood and Guts DVD, and it's basically completely raw, unedited, uncensored, and it's just the camera following him around in the gym while he works out with his commentary. And to me, that's how a DVD series should be created. Um, I hate when they bring in the fancy fitness models and all the lights are in the background and you know, everything's staged and everything is, you know, fixed and scripted. To me, that's not real, and that's not how you work out in a gym. Um, you know, there's no spray bottles. So, anyways, it's pretty entertaining. It's very inspiring. There's a lot of extra commentary with that throughout the DVD. So, you know, that's why I call it exclusive coaching because you're getting coached by me quite a bit. And we do a coaching call each month, just like you and me just did for the last hour. If you like that, that's what we do once a month for 90 minutes. You get access to me. Today, actually, we just did it, and I was uh, talking with a couple guys on the phone. I was talking with a 40-year-old fellow, um, actually a couple 40-year-old guys today, and a couple young guys as well, and uh, couple, we've got a lot of girls in the program as well. Ladies, don't feel left out if uh, it doesn't feel like I've been you know, um, addressing you as much on the call, but we have a lot of females who are on the program as well, and uh, the results are, uh, to be honest, just mind-boggling. Um, I can't believe the results. I don't know if it's just because people are... You know, to be honest, me, it's just a really good program. I, I knew there was going to be good results, but the, the results people have emailed me, I'm like, holy crap, these are from all my program? <laughs> I've got good results before, but like, everybody is uh, making gains, like, week by week. So, um, yeah, it's been really exciting, and that's the program. Awesome stuff, Vince. I really appreciate it. So, everybody check that out next week at MaximizeYourMuscle.com. But if you also want the TT Bodybuilding Bonus, which is only otherwise available in the Platinum Members section, uh, then make sure you go and check it out through LeanMassMetabolism.com. And uh, women, you'll definitely like that program as well. So thanks again, Vince, for being on the call. Yeah, no problem, man. All right, and thank you, everybody, for listening in. We will make sure this is available for you as a recording and also as a transcript, and we will talk to you soon. Have a great day, everyone. Bye-bye.